What's up, boxing fans? This is Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. In this podcast, JJ gives an in-depth analysis of nearly every fight, from undercards to main events. Now, let's get into the ring. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sides of Boxing. I am your host, JJ Sermon, and on today's episode, I'm going to talk about Jose Ramirez versus Victor Postal, as well as Dillian White versus Alexander Provekin. So let's get straight into it. All right, so to start things off, I'm going to just talk about the Dillian White versus Alexander Provekin fight. This fight right here was crazy. I mean, I didn't see it coming. Like, it was just a such an interesting fight, man, and definitely one of the best fights of the year. This fight right here, um, just a little backstory. Dillian White has been the mandatory WBC uh, fighter, like for I don't know how long. He's been he's been the mandatory for that WBC belt for as long as somebody trying to get a bachelor's degree in college. This man here has been looking uh, and has been waiting and waiting and waiting to fight um, for that WBC belt, which Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury currently has now, um, and Deontay Wilder held that belt for a very long time uh, before Tyson Fury defeated him. So, Dillian White, uh, another thing about him that uh, is just very interesting in the backstory is that he did fight a lot of good people in regards to waiting for that uh, WBC mandatory fight. He fought Oscar Rivas, which is a difficult fight. Derek Chisora, he fought him twice. And Joseph Parker, like, these are difficult fights that he's chosen. Uh, Robert Hellenius, like, like the competition that he's fought, like, while he's waiting is definitely saying a lot, as well as fighting Alexander Povetkin. Um, That fight there is not an easy fight, and we've seen what happened in that fight as to why that fight was very dangerous and... Um, the type of competition he has been facing because Alexander Povetkin is a top, like definitely top 10, potentially top five right now of a heavyweight fighter. So yeah, man, it's just a definitely a big risk. And it, it was something that I just was excited for. I was like, man, this fight is going to be a good way to bring boxing, like, like even stronger back and getting back into some smooth like rhythm. Um, of getting fights pretty good every I feel like good fights are happening bi-weekly usually right now but I feel like eventually it may get back um, to getting really good fights um, on a weekly basis because that's what I'm looking forward to but I'm fine with the bi-weekly um, just as long as we get entertaining fights so um, in this fight man it was going Dillian White's way the whole time oh and just to clarify Dillian White came into this fight with 27 wins and only one loss, and he has 18 KOs versus Alexander Povetkin, who came into the fight with 35 wins, two losses, one draw, and he has 24 KOs. Now, when this fight happened, it was one for the books, man. I really thought that this fight um, was going to be entertaining. I did not know whether or not it was going to be like a KO being involved. I just knew some knockdowns could potentially come, but I didn't know exactly just because Styles makes fights and Dillian White knows how to use his jab and he knows how to uh move around the ring um when he needs to. So I felt like if if he did get stumbled, he would try to like move out the way and uh, avoid Povetkin's pressure. But Povetkin does a good job of bringing the pressure 
and uh, showing different looks when he comes inside because, I mean, he's been boxing for a very long time, so he knows how to he knows how to get on the inside and be a smart pressure fighter, and that's what he does very well. And he has power in the hands, and still to this day, and it's just a testament is why he's been so adorable up until this point. So uh, when this fight happened, Dillian White was doing his thing in the first few rounds. He was uh, doing a good job keeping a jab, throwing nice combinations, um, and he was kind of he was still keeping his distance, but he was coming in a little bit as the rounds were going on, but. Um, for the most part, he was definitely dominating, and it showed because I want to say it was round four is when he knocked down uh, Pavekin, and then and both and it was like a flash knockdown, and then the second he knocked him down again in that round, and then the second time, um, you can tell Pavekin was looking like he was pretty much done, like he looked like he was a little phased, but that's why. But the but the second knockdown after that happened, he got back up, and then he went to the corner. Like the the round was over, and then that's when I knew like you can get your energy back. You getting thirty seconds, you getting some time to sit back down, recover from where you was, compared to just getting attacked again and again and again. I mean, it gives you some time to breathe and get your legs up under you. So that's what happened with Vivekin. He came back out in the next round, and he literally caught um, Dillian White with a vicious, vicious uppercut, and Dillian White didn't see it coming. He leaned in. It looked like he was going to throw a hook, but he, he threw an uppercut, and it popped him, and he went straight back and hit the canvas hard, and he was knocked out cold. And I was like, oh, my God. Because that thing was so, like, unbelievable because Pavekin was just knocked down twice around before, and now he ended up knocking out Dillian White in a surprise thriller, man. And so... That led to Pavekin getting the win. So now that puts him in a position to uh, fight for the WBC belt, which he probably is not going to do. I mean, because they more than likely they're going to rematch that fight. Dillian White has already talked about it. They're pretty much trying to get that fight to happen before the end of the year. But, yeah, man, uh, Pavekin did win the interim WBC uh, belt, which really doesn't matter, really, honestly. But it definitely does a good job for Pavekin to get his name even more out there and just prove that he's still adorable, he's still strong, and he can still fight at this age. So, um, and for those of you who are wondering his age, he is 41 years old. Yeah, at that time he was 40 because his birthday was actually September 2nd. So, um, 41 years old. So, he's definitely up there when it comes to a boxing career, just any career, maybe in the NBA uh, baseball, all of them. If you in your 40s, man, you're in a rare company, especially to be still fighting in the top 10, like still fighting for something. Yeah, man, that, that's a big testament to Alexander Povetkin. And he just got this big KO win. So it definitely um, is a good thing for him. But that's all I have to really say about that fight. I mean, I can't wait for the rematch because I still don't know what's going to happen. I mean, Dillian White knows what to do, but it's easier said than done. He's going to have to really like be smart when he's in the ring, and Povetkin is definitely going to show him more looks in the next fight. So we'll see how it goes. He got to go 12 rounds. I only went to five, so he had seven more rounds to go if he was going to survive, and we'll see how that goes in the rematch. Now I want to transition into the Jose Ramirez versus uh, Victor Postal fight. 
this fight right here was a fight that I definitely was excited for because this is um, a fight that really means a lot, man, because they plan on Jose Ramirez and Josh Taylor plan on unifying that 140 to be the undisputed 140 pound champion. The last person that did that was Terrence Crawford. So this was a big deal, man, because it's hard to be an undisputed champion. Extremely hard, extremely difficult, especially with promoters, all these things that be happening that just makes it very difficult for you to get the fights to unify belts. Um, but it's but it's it's in the cars of happening because this fight against uh, Victor Posto was very important and he got the job done, even though the job that he did did not look as appealing as everyone expected it to be. So first things first, I want to talk about their records. So uh, Jose Ramirez, his record is 25 and 0 with 17 KOs. And Victor Posto record is 31 wins with two losses and 12 KOs. And like I said, this is in the junior welterweight division, 140 pounds, and it was a 12-round fight. And this was for the WBC and WBO light welterweight titles. So the 140-pound titles, WBC and WBO, because Jose Ramirez obtained uh, the, the, both of those belts, or really another belt, which made him get those two when he beat Maurice Hooker. So that's what I had to say. Um, so this fight was... Um, still like less entertaining than other fights that I've seen um in the last like few weeks because Victor Post is gonna give you what he usually does. He's gonna play a smart fight. He's not gonna really do anything that's gonna put him in big harm risk like that. He's gonna jab, he's gonna move his footwork and he's gonna run a, like move around the ring, not run. He's gonna move around the ring. He's gonna make sure he keeps his distance. And he does a very good job at it. And he did that against Jose Ramirez. He was doing a fantastic job throwing good combinations, uh, good one-twos, like hitting uh, Ramirez, making Ramirez miss a lot. Ramirez was throwing wild shots, and it was just hitting the ropes in the beginning of the rounds. And then once it started going to the middle, to the later rounds, you started to see Jose Ramirez uh, doing a little bit more work. Really, all I can say is he was putting more pressure, and he landed uh, some good shots that really like affected uh, Victor Posto, but at the end of the day, like that pressure, uh, really was selling it to the judges, and that's what led him to get the majority decision win because he just had more pressure. But you can definitely tell Jose Ramirez is one dimensional, like he, he's just going to come forward. And if he fight a better fighter, someone like Josh Taylor, who has a lot of skills, who displayed it against Regis Progress, who displayed it against Victor Posto, like he can switch it up in the fight, like in those 12 rounds and switch up. If he's getting beat on the inside, he can go out. Or if he's going to be on the outside, he can go inside and bang with you and then really win the uh, win those rounds. So it's like Josh Taylor can do that. So it's very interesting to see how he's going to do against Jose Ramirez if Josh Taylor wins against his mandatory uh, in the upcoming um, in the upcoming weeks or months. So that's um, pretty much what I have to say about this fight. It was definitely a fight that, I honestly felt like Victor Posto edged it out, but it is what it is. I'm not, like, complaining. I wouldn't say it was a robbery or anything like that. I just felt like Posto did had more so of a, of the cleaner. I feel like more of the cleaner shots, and he was doing a better job at um, keeping Jose Ramirez contained for more rounds than Jose Ramirez kept Posto contained um, with his pressure. But yeah, man, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to what Jose Ramirez does next. Hopefully, he gets the unification fight, and 
you go from there. Now, quickly, I just want to go over some notable mentions who are just some boxers that did some fights that were pretty good uh, this weekend and may not have gotten as much recognition. The Sean Porter fight, he did a good job, and he won a unanimous decision through the most punches I think he threw ever in the fight. Um, but that guy who he fought, Formilla, he was a good fighter. Um, he had a great chin, and he withstand uh, Sean Porter as long as he could throughout the throughout the 12-round fight. So I gave a lot of respect to him um, and Sean Porter for uh, giving us a good fight. Um, I would say also um, there were some other fights that happened, like uh, Joe Smith Jr. getting a TKO a victory in the ninth round against uh Eldier Alvarez. I always say his name kind of wrong, but you all know what I meant. Um, if you go look up Joe Smith Jr., you'll know who the guy uh who beat he beat Sergey Kovalov once, and then Sergey Kovalov beat him. So yeah, you know who I'm talking about. So he beat uh, Joe Smith Jr. beat him, and that was a big fight for Joe Smith Jr. Joe Smith Jr. is a dog, and he really is a good fighter. And I like his style, man. He brings it. He don't get tired. He just keep going forward. And he going to make sure that you feel his power, man, because he is a strong dude and he throws some bombs. And so uh, Clay Collier, he's still winning against people, man. He's still doing his job defeating people. I just feel like he just should keep getting these easy wins and just keep building his record and then eventually move up and step up and get a better fight. Um, Other than that, um... That's all I really have to say right now because um, there's not too many fights that I could go in more details about some of the smaller fights. But right now, um, I'm just going to just pass on them right now. But I will discuss uh, more fights in detail um, in the future um, for I know the series boxing fans. I know you all want to hear some about them, uh, some some more closer fights um, like Elvis Rodriguez and things like that. But I'm going to get to them. Just wait. Be patient. I'm, I'm going to. Uh, some more detailed fights like I did in the past. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. I just want to make sure I got out the big fights um, that happened in these last few weeks so that you all can stay up to date and informed of what's going on in boxing. So that's all I got. And this concludes this episode of Size of Boxing. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening all the way to the end. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a positive rating. And tell a friend to tell a friend if they're boxing fans because I'm going to continue to give out great content each and every week. And the next fight that's supposed to be happening is with Jamal Herring. So be on the lookout for that as well as your Dennis Ugas. So stay tuned to that and God bless.